Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out, no matter how hard it rains. In my city. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 293rd episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at HawkBlogger. And uh, CX lose fourth in a row, first time in the Pete Carroll era that they have lost four in a row. They've lost, I believe, five in a row to the 49ers. And uh, they go down, I guess. By by Vegas expectations, pretty much on the nose, 28 to 16, 12 points. I believe the spread got up to as much as 14 and a half uh, when it was confirmed that Geno Smith was not going to play. This is a different game probably than I think a lot of folks expected. And certainly when we all found out that Geno Smith wasn't going to play, I think this was a different game than folks expected. The Seahawks actually led in this game early on. Uh, came back to make it a one-score game in the second half and never truly got blown off the field, which <laughs> I think, you know, most folks would have expected that to be the outcome. Uh, and if I had told you that the Seahawks were going to be without Geno Smith and without Devin Witherspoon for basically the whole game, I don't think you would have expected the game to be this close. All that said, I, I think... I think you got to start in this game, not with the quarterback position as much as we'll talk about that. I think you've got to talk about the safety position, right? I mean, <laughs> safety, the whole job of safeties ultimately is to limit big plays. Like that is kind of the definition of why it's called a safety. It's to keep things from being really bad. Like, you're going to give up some plays, but the safeties are there to bring down guys before they become explosive, massive plays. And, oh boy, the safeties in this game, especially, and I want to be more specific than what I think other folks are, Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams, oh boy, this was a bad look. And I think you got to almost feel like you exit this game with one of the I don't think it's quite to the level of the Cody Barton and, you know, Jonathan Abram and and all the crappy guys that they were running out last year where you said it was addition by subtraction. I, I, I literally said and still believe one of the biggest offseason improvements the Seahawks made this year was 
not re-signing Cody Barton. Like anybody would be better. And that's proven to be true. I think Julian Love, he gave up one play. It was a big play. Get it. Happens. But he also created two turnovers, had a great special teams tackle. I thought he was a a reasonably good player on the day, uh, especially relatively speaking. But I getting back to the point here, I think we're at we're at the level where Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams are addition by subtraction guys, right? Like, I don't know how you can have Quandre Diggs next year would be the second highest paid player on the team with a cap number of 21.2 million dollars. And Jamal Adams would be the third highest cap hit on the team with a cap number. Wait a second. That doesn't make sense. Oh, they're doing this is rotated by uh, not by cap number, but by base. uh, Sorry, what are they? I'm on over the cap. I'm not sure how they've got this sorted, but Jamal Adams cap number would actually be twenty six point nine million. So uh they've got this all wacky so anyway forget what rank it is the point is (laughs) you will have 27 million in cap going to jamal adams and 21.3 going to quandre Diggs. i think they're two of the worst players on your defense right now and people that defend quandre Diggs, maybe quandre Diggs himself uh will say hey his job is hard to define you can't just see what you know base it on what you see he's he's taking away uh you know uh play the seam seam throws and he's taking away the slants and he's taking his assignment correct guys i i kind of buy that to an extent but his job also is to make tackles and this is two straight years where he has been awful in that regard he has made what seemed to be business decisions last year when he still was recovering from injury. He's not injured this year, and he's just a bad tackler back there, and he doesn't seem to be giving full effort and takes bad angles. It's just it's hard to watch, man. It's really, really hard to watch. And so, you know, I don't think Jamal Adams, at least you can say he is coming back from an injury that nobody generally comes back from, and it looks like it. He looks 10 years older than he actually is. Maybe that improves somewhat with a full offseason recovery if he manages to not injure himself again. But I think you probably have to assume that he's just never going to be the player he was. And he just was slow. And he wasn't making tackles. He was not a physical player. I think those two guys are killing you. And I think that you are going to have to eat what will be 10 million of dead money for cutting Quandre Diggs. You will have to eat $21 million of dead money for cutting Jamal Adams. But here's the thing. Even with that, you will save a combined 17 million in cap space next year. And you'll save even more in years to come. I think you got to move on from those guys. You got to move on. You got to see if Jarek Reed can come back and be something. You got to see, you know, maybe Julian Love plus someone else. Maybe Kobe Bryant can be something. And you got to spend some draft picks. So I think that the safety position is one of the highest paid positions on this team. And it's got to be reset. 
it's got to be cut from the ground up. I, I do not want to see those two guys back next year. And I have been a big defender of Jamal over the years. Right now, I just I was very confused by the fact that they restructured his contract, making it that much harder to cut him. They did it. It's done. But I still think you have to reclaim that cap space. So I think that's, to me, the biggest story in this game is the safety play. I thought the corners, in large part, ended up holding up. I'll, I'll be curious to see how, how it's graded. But, you know, you're down... You're already down Trey Brown, who's your starting outside corner. Then you're down Devin Witherspoon. Then you lose Artie Burns. And so you had Michael Jackson and Reek Woolen, and there weren't as many like free runners on the, the corners. A lot of that was coming against safeties. And, um, you know, Kyle Shanahan doing his thing, just making some, some wide open you know, space throws for his quarterback and Brock Purdy doing what Brock Purdy's done, which is the guy's smart. He's accurate. He's on time. He's mobile. Like he's a good player. And when I, at the beginning of the year um, said, I was worried he was going to end up being the best quarterback in the NFC and uh, Evan, Mr. Evan Hill, uh, like almost choked uh, on his own spit uh when i said it i think that i turned out to be wrong i think he's playing like the best quarterback in the nfl this year so that's debatable i know everyone wants to pick apart all these things but end of the day he is operating his offense better than anyone else in the nfl i i don't know that i think there's someone else that is truly maximizing their offense the way that brock purdy is and as much as I absolutely give tons of credit to Kyle Shanahan, the most credit to Kyle Shanahan, and tons of credit to how talented the 49ers are, I've seen that 49ers with Kyle Shanahan, with other quarterbacks, including Jimmy Garoppolo, they didn't look like this. So you got to give a lot of credit to Purdy. Uh, he is he is a he is a really good uh, a really good quarterback. Um, I wish he wasn't, but he is. Uh, what else? Interestingly, the Seahawks linebackers did not get victimized as much in this game as they did in the first one. Uh, we did not see Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks trailing as much. I might be wrong, and maybe that'll show up on tape. Somebody was getting beat. So, uh, but uh, I, I, let's let's switch the switch the 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 side of the ball that we talk about for a second. The the defense certainly did not play that well um, on offense. You know, I have been hypercritical of Drew Locke, and I think for good reason, and I don't really take a lot of that back. I will say that I think he he had a he had a good game for a backup quarterback. That's kind of how I'd put it. He had a good game for a backup quarterback. He came in, he gave you a chance, he put you in position, he made some really good throws, he made some really bad throws, and generally speaking, Part of my issue with Drew Locke is I just don't think he's the brightest bulb. I don't think he processes well. I don't think he makes good decisions. I think he he runs when he should throw. I think that he sometimes he throws when he should run when you're already past the line of scrimmage and could have had a first down. There's just I don't know that there's a lot going on up there, you know, and, and when I think Geno Smith, 
I think that Geno Smith has a lot going on up there. And, and what I was debating with uh, Josh and the fellows on our chat during the game is I think, I think that Geno Smith makes mistakes because he is overconfident. He overbelieves in his abilities and uh, he's got an amazing arm and, and amazing accuracy. And sometimes he just believes he can put a ball in a place that he shouldn't. I don't think it's because he's unwise or, or well, un unwise. I don't think it's because he's not smart enough to understand what's happening. I think with Drew Locke, a lot of times I'm just like this guy, I think he's just playing backyard ball. And, and if it works out great, but I also don't think he's, he's accurate uh, particularly. I think he's, in, he's inconsistent with his accuracy. I think his timing is, is inconsistent, but he had some really good throws today. He played better than I would have expected against a really, really good defense. So um, now I know everyone's going to be comparing it apples to apples. This was not apples to apples to the last game over Thanksgiving. One, you know, that was a short week. Two, Geno Smith was playing with uh, like an arm that barely worked. Three, the Seahawks game plan in that 49ers game was absolutely ridiculous it was all deep throws long developing plays with nothing underneath that was back when geno smith was being asked to you know basically take three seconds per drop back it was an absolutely ridiculous game plan last week against the cowboys we saw this newer game plan where they were getting rid of it quickly dk was more involved uh it was just it was a much cleaner type of offense and that's how this team started this week similar game plan and then it just where the hell did it go? DK didn't see the ball for most of the rest of the game. They started to run the ball. Basically, they turtled. It was like they were like, oh, shit. Like, we're in this game. Like, we have to be careful because we're kind of close. And let's let's our defense is kind of keeping them down. So let's let's throttle down. Let's run the ball a lot. Let's run the ball on second down every time. And they weren't getting any yards on the ground other than Zach Charbonnet early on, who, by the way, after that series, barely saw the ball. I mean, he was the guy that was effective on the ground, and then he was out for pretty much the rest of the game. Maybe it was injuries, but he did. I did see him in the last series, so it wasn't so bad that he couldn't be out there. Anyway, uh, I thought the game plan was different to start and then got really bad. Shane Waldron had a shining moment with that touchdown uh, play that was a ripoff of what the 49ers did to them. And it was beauty and it was great to see, but, um, overall Shane Waldron sucks, man. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with Shane Waldron. Uh, this guy, I think he, he's just not a great play caller. He too frequently gets out called. I think that he doesn't understand how to leverage like his, the, the, the strengths of his players, he has tried some different things and there's been some adjustments, but man, I don't think, I just don't think he's that good. I think he's like an okay, I think he's an okay offensive coordinator, but he's certainly not great. And so getting back to Drew Locke, I, I want to complete the thought there. I, I think that Drew Locke played, played a good game for a backup. I think this was a very different game plan. So I don't think you can say, Hey, he scored more than Gino did. I think it was a very, very, very different game. Um, by the way, you know, Kenneth Walker wasn't in that game. Uh, I think there's some other injuries that I'm forgetting about, but um, I don't think the Seahawks win this game. If Gino plays, I do think that they score more points. 
I, I, I think that, I think that especially during the middle of the game where there was the big drought for a while, I think Gino would have been better. I think that he showed last week his ability to operate in this style of offense, which is so much about processing. It's so much about timing, making decisive, quick decisions. And I just don't think that's Drew Locke's game. I think Drew Locke is a play action, deep shot, you know, gunslinging guy who's going to throw an interception or two every game. And you just hope that he throws at least two or three touchdowns every game. That's, I think, who Drew Locke is. I don't think that's a guy you can win anything meaningful with. That's why, for me, he's not the guy. I don't want him on the team. I'd rather have a rookie who might suck even worse, but at least there's some upside potential that he turns out to be something. Drew Locke is a backup. He's never going to be a starter for a championship team. So why are we spending money? Why are we spending time on a guy like that, on a team that's not a championship team anyway? So... I don't know. Good. You know, generally, I don't want to be super negative about Drew Locke. I thought he played a good game for who he is. Um, I don't think that he changed my mind that much about his position on this team. Let me take a chance on the super chat here. Uh, Lugo says uh, this, this team is one disappointing team, man. They can't tackle for shit. Receivers are always open on this defense. This season is over. It is over. Uh, most likely now it depends. Well, sorry, let me, let me take that back here. Here's why I don't think the season's over. I think if, if the season for you is about making the playoffs, it might be over. I'm not even sure about that. If the season for you is about winning a playoff game, it's almost certainly over. If the season for you is about, can this team establish itself and have some core foundation to build on for next year? I don't think it's necessarily over. I think you still have JSN you're trying to develop and has shown some good things. I think you're trying to see. I thought that the tackles, we'll see. I think they're better this week than they were last week. I don't think they were great, but I thought the protection was decent at times, especially earlier on. Um, you know, seeing how the offense, I would really love, my God, it's time to play Oluwatimi at center. Evan Brown had a nice, strong start to the season. He has fallen off. What is it about Seahawks centers that midway through the season, they stop being good? So I, I, I'm ready to see all with Timmy in there and see what he can do. Um, I think it's about development and, and seeing what those guys can do. I think there's still chances for that to, to happen and to see what you have there. Um, I want to call out Leonard Williams today. I thought Leonard Williams played a really good game. Uh, he ended up with one sack. He had four quarterback hits. I thought he made a big difference. And interestingly, I thought he was playing harder than a lot of the other guys on the Seahawks defense. Um, so uh, shout out to Leonard Williams. I thought Reek Woolen played a reasonably good game. Um, I thought Draymond Jones had an okay game. Um, he had some highlights in this game. I think he's been better since he moved to edge. Um, boy, Mafes just disappeared. Ever since people discovered what he can do, He's got more attention and he's been a non-factor. I don't, he barely made any plays in this game. Um, and, uh, who else, you know, I, I don't know that I have a lot of other guys to talk about. Um, I don't know why DJ Dallas is still returning punts. Um, you know, <laughs> I think he, he only exceeds like, his ability to run slowly with his ability to have ball insecurity. So you're not getting either things really well from him. Put in somebody who's got something uh, to offer. I don't know. I don't even care. Just try anybody put in, 
who would I put in Kobe Bryant? I mean, put in, <laughs> put in anybody, just somebody that's got put in Kenny McIntosh. I want to see Kenny McIntosh at this point. Show me what we have in that guy to see if there's anything there. Um, I thought the tight ends did an okay job today. Noah Fant, once again, when you give him a chance, the guy makes plays. Colby Parkinson had the big touchdown. That was nice to see. Um, yeah, I, I, I think my general story of this game is closer than I would have expected given the pl players that were missing. I do think the Devin Witherspoon being out is a big difference. I don't know if it's a touchdown difference, but... I think he might have made a couple plays that could have been sacks. I think there's plays where they were blitzing Jamal where it would have been Witherspoon and Jamal is a zero on those plays. He just gets eaten up and Witherspoon is much harder to block. So I do think that was a big thing, but, but generally, you know, Seahawks are just not that good. They're not that good. And the 49ers are really, really good. I hate that they are. And I was really hoping the Seahawks would find some way to win this game to hurt their home field chances. But Truth of the matter is they're a juggernaut right now. So we can we can say whatever we want to say. Uh, fact of the matter is um, that that team is is in a massively different. They're not even like in a class above. They're like three classes above the Seahawks. It was a bummer not to get to see Geno Smith today. Um, I I really was I enjoyed watching him last week against the Cowboys, and I think it would have been fun to see what he could do against this Niners team. And I know he really wanted to play. I think it's probably a good thing in the end that Drew Locke did play because we kind of see what he is. Everyone will say, well, he didn't get a full week of practice. You know, it's like every excuse for this guy. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think he's going to throw you one or two picks every game or fumble the ball or make a stupid decision like every game. I just think that's who he is. Um, I see a couple of people talking about Julian Love. I mentioned him earlier. So if you just were joining, I did say Julian Love had a nice game other than the touchdown he gave up. I thought he played hard and and uh, made some big plays. Um, I am going to have to sign off pretty soon, um, actually, like basically now, because I got to run and do some family stuff. Uh, I really would appreciate if folks could give the show a like. Um, head over to patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up, get access to the Slack channel where we can commiserate and talk more about what's coming next. It's going to be a big off season. Um, interesting to see what happens the rest of the way. Uh, I, I hope that that Gino can come back and play next week. But if not, it doesn't really matter at this point. You know, there, there's not much that they're playing for other than just to see if, if we can develop the players. And I do think that Gino Smith is a materially different guy than, than drew lock back there. So uh, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, and as always go Hawks, have a wonderful rest of your night. Hey folks, this is Brian Nemhauser. Thanks for listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed it. I want you to know that Real Hawk Talk is available on all major podcast platforms. Go ahead and subscribe. Have all podcasts delivered directly to your phone after each and every show. And then go ahead and leave us a five-star review. Helps us out, gets more people to the show. Then, if you haven't already done it, go to patreon.com slash hawkblogger and subscribe for just five bucks a month. Gets you immediate access to our Slack channel. Join hundreds of folks in that community to talk Seahawks about wins, losses, and all things in between. Not to mention become eligible to win giveaways for Seahawks tickets and get to ask questions of the Real Hawk Talk crew every week on the show. Finally, if you haven't gone to hawkblogger.com recently, head on over. Tail the tape morning after articles are there every week. Hoping to see you there. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for supporting the show. Go Hawks.